and welcome to the Sweet Podcast with me, Mitchell Willis, and him, Michael Hall. Good afternoon. How are you today? I'm very well, yeah. We're less than a week from the biggest spectacle of world football. What's that? The World Cup, Mitchell. It is indeed the World Cup Russia 2018. It is kicking off next Thursday, which is six days away from this moment as we record. Are you excited about the first game? I can't bloody wait for the first game. It's going to be a classic, I think. Yeah, it's not kicked off with uh, with with a great start, has it? But uh, you know, Russia Saudi Arabia could set the tone for the rest of the tournament, and it could go really well. There could be goals flowing, or it could be absolutely shit, and the rest of the tournament could be dreadful too. If there's more than two goals in that game, I'd be very very surprised, but pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get onto it shortly, but uh, we are going to preview every single team that's playing in this tournament. We're going to rattle through the groups, and um, hopefully tell you something different that you didn't previously know about certain countries but we don't know it all do we Mitch? We don't know it all at all and uh, we've had to do a little bit of research uh, we've had to take some opinions from the people that matter and they're the fans from from their own countries and uh, yeah we've we've got a bit of a preview to just see how it's going to unfold really and, and you know we may get things wrong I don't think we've got too many players names in there because we don't want to embarrass ourselves with uh, the pronunciation just yet we'll wait for the professionals to do that and then I think that the plan will be to kind of get to the end of our predictions and revisit it all uh, as we go through the tournament absolutely right and at the end as always we've got the first instalment of our quiz to see who's going to become the sweeper podcast world cup champion yeah, I can't wait if it's any anything like the club one. Uh, we could be embarrassing ourselves at times. That's very true. Should we get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. Um, I think there's only one place we, we can start, and that is the host nation, Russia, who are possibly the worst host nation that we will ever see. Yes, until Qatar in four years' time. Yeah, uh, I mean, do they even have a football team? <laughs> just I don't even know what's going to happen. I'm there. sure there'll be people popping up from all over the world who've been there on holiday and, uh, and fancy wearing that shirt in the first game in four years. But anyway, back to the Russians. They're a relatively poor team, aren't they? They're not a, um, a classic Russian team. They're not one of the best. They're, uh, they're certainly not one of the classic pot A teams either. Um, they have managed to secure themselves a, a relatively, I wouldn't say easy group, but uh, I mean... Ordinarily, if Russia were at the World Cup, it would be a, a, a much harder group, you suspect. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think one of the problems for Russia is is, is probably the same with any uh, host nation, that they won't have had any competitive games for a few years. And, uh, I mean, the last kind of competitive games um, we were involved in as well. Uh, being they were England. fun, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, the, the less said about that, the better. And I'm sure we'll get on to other teams such as Iceland and, and England themselves. But, um yeah, you know, they certainly lack any real quality or standout players. I think the only one that that, that really springs to mind is uh, Igor Akinfeev, who I think has played since before he was even born. If you've ever played football manager or, or championship manager, then you always signed him at some point, didn't you? Yeah. Um, and he's still kicking about. He's still doing the business. And um, somebody who was linked a lot with Premier League, teams in the past but never really made the grade did he no and and i don't think he ever really strayed out of his comfort zone either to be honest with you and uh you know i, I think the the difference is if you can play champions league football every week or every year which he's pretty much managed to do um is, is there any reason why you would go out of your comfort zone I'm not sure there is probably not now they are ranked 66th in the fifa world rankings at the moment and um that's only four places above the next team saudi arabia 
Yeah, um, Saudi Arabia, I don't know a huge amount about Saudi Arabia. I'm not sure many people do. And um, I think the, the, the positives, as we've just said, it's quite a poor group. So I think Russia, Saudi Arabia and Egypt will be looking to, to get that second place spot behind Uruguay. And I think, you know, on that basis, um, you'd like to think that there's some teams that will, you know, give themselves a chance like Saudi Arabia for instance as you say they're I think they're possibly the the lowest ranked team in the tournament they are and when you consider that there are 32 teams in the tournament and they are ranked 70th in the world then they've done all right to get there really haven't they yeah they have um but you know they are the the first Asian nation to play in the opening game um and you would say that's probably the game they'll be looking to get a result from as well that that's why I've got that tinge of excitement for Russia Saudi Arabia I think both uh, of those nations actually need to get a result from that game. Yeah, because if they don't, then they've got Egypt and Uruguay in the other two games, and on paper they are much harder teams to play in that sort of atmosphere. And obviously, when it comes to Egypt, I think my knowledge of them probably goes as far as Mohamed Salah. I think that's all you need to know, really. I think you've seen um, the the kind of panic that set in uh, once his injury came through. Um, but I think it looks as though he's going to be fit. I think he may miss the first game. Um, but, you know, the the kind of talismanic performances he's given for Liverpool this season, um, you suspect that that is multiplied by 100 when it comes to Egypt. That's right. And they have got other Premier League representatives there in uh, Mohamed Elneny from Arsenal and obviously Hagazi, who's just gone down to the Championship with West Brom. But there's... There's a good chance they'll be back in the Premier League next season anyway, as there's a lot of transfer talks around them. And I think that Egyptian defending has has been a strong point in, in previous tournaments, but where they've struggled is up top, and now they may have the answer to that in Mo Salah. Obviously, it depends whether he is fit for the two games against the weaker opponents, like you say. But the Egypt-Uruguay game seems far more exciting than the than the Russia Russia Saudi Arabia one. It does indeed and and I think Uruguay come into this tournament off the back of a, a few decent tournaments. There's uh there's been a little bit of controversy that's followed them along the way mainly through uh Luis Suarez but equally in Suarez they've got uh, certainly a match winner um and and alongside him Cavani as well. So you know you look at the two of those and that's possibly one of the most potent strike forces in the whole tournament. Yeah, I don't think that you can argue with that. Two players who have been at the top of their games in the last couple of years throughout different leagues in European football. And um, they've always managed to do it on the international stage as well, those two, which in such a competitive, um, what's the word, continent as uh, South America, where the qualifying is incredibly difficult. When you yep. look at the, the seeding for the, for the European qualifiers, versus the way that it works in South America, you really have to battle hard to get here. And there's always a couple of large countries that miss out. So for Uruguay to get through year upon year is no is no mean feat. No, and I think, you know, they're, they're also very solid at the back. They've got the two Atletico Madrid stoppers in Diego Godin and Jose Maria Jimenez. So, you know, from that perspective, they're, they're kind of solid all over. And I think there was a worry over the last couple of years about their midfield. But having looked into it a little bit more and hearing the Uruguayan press talking about a, a new sprightly midfield, I think the uh, I think there's a, a bit of hope and optimism that they could do something in this tournament. They're ranked 17th in the world, which would suggest that they should make it to the last 16, um, given that a few of those countries haven't made it to the World Cup. So um, definitely one to watch out for. And 
I think they're they're our favourites from that group, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And interestingly, the manager has got a total of 191 international matches with Uruguay, and that's over two spells from 1990. So there's uh, there's definitely experience and consistency there for him. But uh, yeah, I think as you say, Uruguay, I fancy them, and and you know the two qualifying from this group face a very tough task of playing against what you'd expect to be Spain and Portugal, who compete in Group B along with Morocco and Iran. And let's kick off with Portugal because they are the current European champions but when it comes to the World Cup does that mean anything? I'm not sure it does to be honest and I think they they probably weren't the most convincing champions of a tournament either so I think you know you look at it and they had some great individual performances throughout um, you know as, as we just said about Suarez you know Ronaldo is the talisman for Portugal and it's going to be key stopping him to get anything from this. Uh, if he turns up and he's on form, which he's obviously shown at the latter part of this season for uh, Real Madrid, then it, it makes it difficult. And I think the, the the thing with Portugal is, they, as I said, they have got good individual players and it's just whether you can get them going together. And th- there's, there's probably a worry about the age of the squad. I think they've managed to keep the nucleus together for, for quite a few years, but this is potentially the, the kind of, final curtain for some of them yeah and you would be worried looking at the defensive three of of Pepe Bruno Alves and someone like Jose Font who couldn't get into the West Ham side so went to China and the team that he's been playing for over there have been shipping goals yet he's still got in and you wonder whether there's been a certain um, amount of do you know what you won the Euro so we're going to pick you in this squad sort of thing when it comes to a couple of these players and I know there's been a decent clear out of that squad but sometimes you have to consider the future and, and, and at this stage I, I just wonder whether they're going to be able to get performances out of some of those players. I think when you when we see them against Spain we'll know absolutely everything then because I think Spain slightly differently you know they've got quality throughout the squad and as a, a team unit I think they will be at the races this tournament I think they've managed to get themselves back in a similar vein of form that they did kind of 10 years ago when they were winning everything yeah you're right and there's another aging player in that Spain squad who's um, obviously just left Barcelona and that's Andreas Iniesta this must be his last international tournament he's obviously gone to play in China now and I think he said that he wanted to retire at the top with Barcelona and I would imagine that he'll want to retire from an international point of view at the top with Spain and obviously they've got the players to get them deep in this tournament that's that's one thing but they've also got the the experience of players in there who've won international tournaments before and that could be absolutely crucial against some of the bigger nations when it gets to the, to the latter stages i think what always benefits them as well is that they've generally got a squad made up of barcelona real madrid players and then there's a few atletico madrid players in there and ordinarily they're playing at the very top level all the way through the season um whether it be in the league or the champions league they the confidence they must take in some of these tournaments uh it must be second to none and and you know the younger players that are coming through um from all of those clubs really um you look at the likes of isco um who is probably going to be quite key uh, to the way that Spain play and I think we will see a replication of some of the football that we saw in their kind of heyday a few years ago and that's possibly not what we've seen certainly in the last tournament or two and you look at their whole squad as I said it, it's fantastic you've got the likes of David De in goal who's the best goalkeeper in the world their defence with Ramos and Piquet doesn't really get much better than that either um, and the midfield is always a strong point my main worry for Spain I think I said this to you a few weeks ago is that Although they've got options up top, there's not a lot that really inspires me to have someone like Diego Costa there. He's 
patchy at best sometimes and you just wonder whether he comes in and, and does the job or actually they play a kind of false nine like they have done before. Yeah, and you've seen them do it before, you've seen Germany do it before where they've got these players that can be part of a front three rather than a central striker and gone are the days where Fernando Morientes used to be the mainstay of a of a yeah. Spain national team and, and the fact that they are adaptable has to make them one of the favourites for this tournament because like you say, they've got the quality, they've got the depth of squad as well and if they can bring goals to their game in, in, in this tournament then they're likely to go a long way. Yeah, and I think though they'll look at the fact they've got Morocco and Iran in the other two games. You know, Morocco, uh, anything could happen with them. I think, and and I wouldn't be surprised if they are a surprise package. I think you only have to look at the Spain Portugal game. If one of them wins, you would expect them to go through fairly comfortably. It could rattle the other one, and you know, someone like Morocco could take advantage of that. They've got Harvard at the helm, who as as a wealth of experience with a number of different countries and, and knows how to win a tournament as well. He knows how to win the African Cup of Nations, that's yeah. for sure. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I wonder whether he's going to be able to transform that sort of um, form on, on, onto the World Cup stage. And he's he's a personality which you, you almost need as one of the smaller countries because it takes the pressure off the players. And again, you look at Morocco and they don't necessarily strike you as a team who are going to go far in the tournament. FIFA ranked 42nd and um, they are the, the, the lowest ranked side by, by quite a way in this group. You look at their game against Iran and you almost think that one of those clubs is going to have to, sorry, one of those countries is going to have to win that game to have any chance of, of upset in Portugal or Spain. I wonder whether we'll see a, a Mustafa Hadji or a Yusuf Chipo come out of this tournament. That would be incredible. I would love for Southampton to sign a, a, a Moroccan <laughs> player. We, we, we've had the likes of Hassan Kashlal in the past and uh, somebody who played for Villa as well. So yeah, it'd be nice to, to, to unearth a gem from Morocco in this tournament for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. There's a lot of talk around Hakim Zayek, who had a great season for Ajax. and It's been linked with a few Premier League clubs. I think Everton have, uh, have potentially been linked with him as well. So maybe he's the one to come through. Who yeah, knows? Their, uh, their last signing from Ajax has, has done really well. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the final group, uh, the final team in that group, sorry, and that's Iran. And uh, another side with uh, a fairly solid defence. Um, uh, they they'll view each game, um, particularly against Morocco, as as the one that they need to win. But each game is just another opportunity to play in a World Cup, which is fantastic. And you know, you look at the likes of of Ronaldo and, and Iniesta; it will be a fantastic occasion for some, some of these Iranians to play against them as well. Yeah, and you would have thought that they will have to set up defensively. And and like you touched upon there, that's not necessarily a bad thing because they only conceded once in their last ten qualifying games, which. I would imagine if you look at all the records of all the teams that have qualified for Russia, there's probably not going to be too many who've got that sort of defensive record. Now, you would argue that their qualification um, group is, is a lot easier and there are a lot of teams in that group that you would that you would expect to, to keep clean sheets against. But still, that has to breed confidence on, on any sort of stage. And whether they set up defensively or not, you would hope that they've got the players in there to, to try and keep the likes of... Portugal and Spain at bay for for long periods of time because they're going to have to rely on on playing on the counter attack. They're not going to be able to go at these teams because they're going to get picked off far too easily. And to be fair, if anyone's going to know about Spain and Portugal, it would be their manager Carlos Queiroz, who uh, we've obviously had experience with at Manchester United, um, but has managed Portuguese national team, Real Madrid as well. So you know you would think the the kind of scouting network's been there and. Who knows? Iran might stop them, and as, as I said, you know there could be panic setting in, and Morocco and Iran could take advantage of that at some point. Absolutely right, but yeah, like you said, you would imagine that probably Portugal and Spain will be playing 
the likes of of Uruguay and and either Russia or or Egypt in the uh, in the next round. Yes, and let's move on to Group C, which is France, Australia, Peru, and Denmark. And it's an interesting group. This I think if you if you look at the the rankings in particular, there's not a huge difference certainly between France, Peru, and Denmark, and and Australia are, are further down, but. France, on paper, uh, for me, possibly have the best 23-man squad at the tournament. They do indeed. I think the issue with France is their manager. I'm not sure that yep. Didier Deschamps is the right person to take the uh, the national side forward. There's been a lot of press concerning the arguments and the infighting that's gone on within the French squad. It's so not like them, is it? Exactly. Um, and, and, and that's something that you almost... <sighs> associate with the French national side when it comes into a big tournament which is such a shame when you look at the quality that they've got and I think they need more of a leader to take that that side forward it, it almost reminds me a little bit of what happened with Portugal in the Euros where it looked like Ronaldo was managing the team and yeah. um, obviously they managed to go far and they managed to win it but I think there are too many egos in that French team. I think that's the problem. With with Ronaldo within Portugal, you've got somebody who they were all reliant on. Within France, you're almost looking around to try and figure out who's going to be the spearhead of that side. And a lot of big names have missed out on the World Cup squad. And, and straight away, you've got players in there who've come out in the press and said that they believe that other players should have gone to the yeah. tournament. And that's not the greatest start for for any country that wants to do well at this level. And I think if you look at the qualification as well, against particularly the smaller nations, they've struggled at times. And, you know, if there's the infighting, if there's something not quite clicking for them, who knows against some of these other countries that are going to be really going for it and really hoping to get through. And and again, you know, you expect France to go through and, and arguably the, the next place is anybody's as well. So it wouldn't be a massive surprise to see one of the other teams in the group beat France. No, I think you're right. I think that's the issue with going into a group where you are the clear favourite. There isn't a second favourite which keeps you on your toes throughout. There's three teams there that you would expect France to beat 99 times out of 100. And without those those teams really sort of nipping at your heels, you, you may get complacent. And like I say about Deschamps, I'm just not sure about him being the right man to be able to deal with that sort of pressure. There is quality there, though, as, as we've just said. You know, you look at the likes of, of Pogba and Bappe, Griezmann... And and Kante as well, who's been a star performer in the Premier League for the last few years, and perhaps he's the the kind of dynamo in the middle that holds holds it all together. He's the glue that brings it all together. But aside from the starting lineup as well as we've said, the squad, there's so many options to bring in. You would like to think that if they need to change a game, they've got the players to do that, and perhaps that's where Deschamps uh, either proves his doubt is wrong or actually that's where he shoots himself in the feet. Yeah, you may be what I mean, you may be right. I think what we've got to concentrate now on is the other three teams. Yep. First of all Australia ranked 40th. So from a, a rankings point of view, they are the outsiders for this group and after a sort of round the world trip to qualify for Russia, the manager resigned. Worst possible preparation at the start of the biggest tournament for them in a long time and and I think that They've almost got to just throw anything that's happened previously out the window and just give it a real good go from the off. That's it. They'll they'll be up for it. You know, they did have to work very very hard to get there, and in true kind of Aussie spirit, really, they will just chuck absolutely everything into it. Um, we we won't go down the route. They'll cheat their way through it, and as they do in <laughs> cricket. But um, you know, they've got a tough game against France first up, but. I think if you can get through that with a little bit of credit and your head held high, to go into the games against Peru and Denmark, you've got it out of the way then. You've got two games where you can just give it a go then. Absolutely right. And you, it tends to always happen in World Cup groups that there's always something riding on it for the last game. 
you wouldn't want to be playing France in that last game and they've obviously avoided that so like you say as long as they don't concede too many in the first game against them then they can go into the games against Peru and Denmark with with real confidence they've got one of our Hertha Berlin boys as well haven't they they have indeed the the Sparky indeed yeah and uh, and of of course there's a few Premier League players in there as well and and Aaron Moy it'd be interesting to see him on the world stage as well after we've kind of bigged him up all season and then we've got Mila Jednak who uh, was fantastic for Villa in the in the playoff games and just obviously we couldn't do enough but he carries the weight of that team on his shoulders at times he was the one that kind of got them through in the qualifiers as well uh, oddly scoring a hat-trick which I don't think he's ever done in his whole career so two of them were penalties though yeah they? we'll ignore that but um, but you know they do have some experience as well as some of the youngsters as well and I think you know going forward they're probably going to be a lot more comfortable than they are in defence as well that's right. We need to touch on, obviously, Peru and Denmark. The The mood in the camp for the Peruvians will no doubt have been improved given that their captain and talisman, Paolo Guerrero, has been cleared to play whilst his, uh, his drug spam case is pending. That's not like a South American. <laughs> no, and, you know, he's, he's not been cleared. Um, and they've kind of done absolutely everything they can do to get him there. And y- you do think that given uh, the amount of time it's been without Peru in a World Cup, that's kind of worked in his favour. I think if they were there every, every four years, it might have been a little bit different. Yeah, you're right. And obviously... For, for them qualification started dreadfully but they haven't lost in 12 now and I think that the one positive for Peru is is their defence and, and you would hope that if like we've said about other teams if they're able to keep it tight against France then they could go and do some real damage against Australia and Denmark yeah if you keep it tight you you know they're absolutely buzzing to be there and as we've just said the kind of star man's there everything in their camp at the minute must be you know quite high and, and the energy will be up there and Anything could happen in these tournaments. That that's always the case. And as we've just said, even with France, there's a chance that they could slip up against one of these sides. So why not Peru? That's right. And moving on to Denmark, they are a big, strong side who play pretty direct football, building from the back. And and we we obviously know a lot about Christian Eriksen. He's the star man, and he'll pull the strings. And he showed his importance when they absolutely battered Ireland in the playoffs. He he's able to score goals. He's able to provide assists. And he he really is the glue that sort of holds that Denmark side together. Yeah, I mean, there's, we've spoken about it and we will speak about it. There's a number of countries that have that kind of one-star man and, you know, you argue that he's possibly the the, the biggest star man when it comes to a full squad. And, um, yeah, you hope that he delivers. And, and, again, as you say, pulling the strings, it's someone like that, the playmaker, who could get everyone going. And, and as we said as well, big and strong, that's always difficult to play against. And if you can't break them down, you just need that one killer pass every now and again just to break teams, uh, break the other teams down. But I, th- I think they're fancy their chances. You know, the, the group being fairly wide open, three teams battling with France. And I think there'll be some entertaining games in this one. I think whether France turn up and batter the three of them and then it's between the three of them to get to the next stage, who knows? But, you know, an exciting group and certainly one to watch. That's correct. There's one man who won't be going for Denmark, though, and that is Nicholas Bentner yeah it's always a shame not to see him really isn't it and I think you know he's had a good couple of years as well and I'm not sure he's a starter for Denmark but he certainly would have been in the squad and um, you know he's almost like Benjamin Mendy has been for Man City you kind of want to see what he's doing off the pitch more than anything else anyway absolutely right well that is a whistle stop tour of groups A, B and C we hope you'll join us after this break to talk about Argentina Iceland Croatia Nigeria and many, many more. Ladies and gentlemen, England will be playing four, four, fucking two. 
Welcome back to the Sweep Podcast, and we are taking a trip to Group D, and we'll start with Argentina. And uh, I don't know whether you know him, but there's a player called Lionel Messi, I think it is. I've got no prior knowledge particularly. Do you want to tell me a bit about him? Yeah, so he appears to be the focal point of this team, and uh, he plays for a small club called Barcelona. And uh, despite the riches that Argentina have, I think they do probably put quite a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Yeah, and you would expect from what Ronaldo did a couple of years ago in the Euros, I know that he didn't play a huge part in the final, but he has been credited with dragging Portugal over the line in that competition. It's something that Messi hasn't been able to do. He's obviously made it to a final previously, and... uh, come pretty close but you would hope and I think that a lot of people think if he's to be named the best player of all time then he has to win a World Cup at some point. Yeah absolutely and you know as, as you say about Ronaldo the kind of individual battle that's it international honours ticked off for Ronaldo and um, you know Messi this possibly could be his last World Cup as well so potentially this is his opportunity to go and do that and I think that that's probably the same with the number of players in that squad. They do have quite a lot of aging players, and um, particularly the star players as well. So that last opportunity to win something as a team, when they're all kind of matured, etc., could be a real incentive. Yeah, and one thing that you associate with Argentina is going deep in tournaments. But the issue that they may have this time around is that they don't necessarily have a settled starting lineup, and there's been a lot of chopping and changing throughout the qualifying process. And um, there's always a level of distraction and chaos about yeah. Argentina when it comes to World Cups obviously we know about the history of Maradona and the various things that have happened since but you would hope from their point of view that they would be able to get through the first game relatively unscathed if they can pick three points up in that then they can look forward to the next two teams and and probably getting through quite comfortably after the second game if they can open with two wins you'd expect that to be enough Absolutely, and you know it's not going to be easy though. It's it's the group of death, really, isn't it, for this tournament? So um, to to come up against Iceland, Croatia, and Nigeria, they will all give them a game for sure. And Argentina on their day should be able to beat most teams, um, and and you know their top teams as well. Um, but you come up against someone like Iceland, who they'll come into this tournament as underdogs, and they'll happily take that tag on board as well. Um, they'll show the same kind of strengths and and squad togetherness as they did two years ago in the Euros. Let's and not talk about that. <laughs> um, but, you know, they, they'll they give themselves a chance and I've, I've seen various people say that they're almost like a club side despite the fact they don't spend a lot of time together. It's, there's a, a real kind of family atmosphere in there so it's a, a kind of all for one, one for all type mentality which in international football at a tournament is, is absolutely key and, you know, we've talked about other nations that have far more quality and ability that that don't have that in their locker. Yeah, you're right. And for a country of that size to be able to get to this stage is is huge. And a lot of their fans are absolutely over the moon that they're even there. And that's what gets the pressure off the back of those players. There's no egos in that team. It's more about personalities. And you look at the way that they celebrated after they won games in, in the Euros. And I think everyone got on board with that. Everyone was quite happy to see that happen other than when it happened to England. And you would expect Iceland to, to give it a real good go again. They're, they're ranked 22nd in the world by FIFA, and that's only four places below a Croatia side who have got a lot more notable players in there, players that we see week in, week out, that play Champions League football, that win Champions League titles. And like you say with Gilfie Sigurdsson, he is the 
the the number one when it comes to Iceland. But again, he won't feel any pressure on his shoulders. He will go there and be able to enjoy that tournament. But it says a lot about Iceland that despite being in this group, they'd still be confident they can progress, which is is absolutely everything they need to do. And I think, as you say about Croatia, they actually had them in the qualifying group, um, them and Iceland. And Croatia finished second. So for Iceland to win that group was was magnificent anyway. And Croatia do have a lot of quality. You know, they they needed a playoff to get through, but their midfield in particular is probably one of the best and most experienced in the world but it's very difficult to get all of those players playing together and you know England have found that over the years when Skulls Lampard Gerrard uh, scenario and you you wonder sometimes do you kind of have too many good players and, and does that you know too many cooks spoil the broth and unfortunately Croatia probably aren't blessed in other areas of the pitch so you do find yourself shoehorning these players in yeah you're right and you look at the likes of Modric and you would expect him to be able to offer enough quality to get them through this group when you look at who who's in there but at the same time if, if they get an injury to a key player like that then then who do they then turn to yeah. who do they then rely on and you're right they've got a, a wealth of talent but it's difficult for somebody trying to come in and, and play in the same position that the likes of Luka Modric has held down for their whole qualifying campaign and also probably for the last sort of five or five or six years. Yeah, and I think worrying for them is, is the defence. They're not, not the strongest and as I said about Portugal, there's there is talent elsewhere, but an ageing defence is, is potentially going to let you down and there's only so much you can do in front of them to stop that. And, you know, it's possibly their last chance to do anything with, with some of these players. So is it all or bust? You know, do they have to just go for it? And I think it's going to be very, very tough against some of these sides. You know, Iceland and Nigeria will work you very, very hard and, and Argentina have their qualities. Yeah, and let's move on to Nigeria because obviously we saw that them play on Saturday against England and in the second half especially, they looked like they could cause teams problems. The pace that they've got going forward with the likes of Iheanacho and um, Alex Awobi, players who can do real damage when they get in behind and and you've talked about Croatia's ageing backline Iceland have got relatively old players in their defence as well and you just wonder whether even though they're they're rank outsiders in terms of the rankings themselves whether whether Nigeria could really trouble the the other clubs in this group and and, and cause a bit of an upset Absolutely I think it'll be entertaining nonetheless you know they'll absolutely go for it and as you said they have got a bit of pace and they've got experience in terms of the Premier League now they've got Moses and Iheanacho and, and Ndidi and I think the problem you've got with Nigeria is just not quite consistent. As you saw against England, it was only really the second half they did anything and they're not going to be afforded just half a game here and there in this tournament. But equally, they could turn up every game and and cause an upset. You're right. And I think it's so difficult to predict who's going to go through from that group. I think that everyone would probably say Argentina will be the group winners, but it is literally one from three when it comes to the other teams it's not a case of ruling somebody out for 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 any any means yeah and i think there's a a guaranteed winner in uh, group e as well in brazil Uh, i think they'll be very very happy with the draw with uh, switzerland costa rica and serbia in there and and brazil have obviously got their last world cup game to look back on which was a 7-1 defeat on their own patch to germany so i think you'd say it's probably going to be a struggle to get worse than that yeah, you're right. And also, we talked about Brazil and, and the fact that, obviously, they hosted the last World Cup and the pressure that comes with that, an expectant nation. And you were always going to struggle because if you didn't win it, then it would be seen as a failure. And they go into this tournament in, in better form. They're, they're obviously had to go through a qualifying campaign, which they didn't have to last time. And you, you've got a lot more time to acclimatise to this sort of World Cup than the pressures that come with hosting it because I don't think that you can necessarily prepare for that until the tournament actually kicks off. 
yeah, I think it took them a little bit of time to get get their heads out of their hands from the last World Cup. But uh, Tite came in replacing Dunga, and he's galvanised the squad. And you know, they, they were they were in the doldrums, and they were in danger of not even qualifying for this tournament. Which, you know, the, there's other nations that haven't made it, like Italy and Holland, for instance. And imagine if Brazil didn't make it; it just wouldn't it just wouldn't work at all. You know, it wouldn't be a World Cup, would it? It's absolutely right. They are ranked second by FIFA, which I know doesn't always count for anything, but it just shows how they've come on in the last couple of years since that huge defeat to Germany. Yeah, and they've got Neymar as well, who, you know, the the, the weight of expectation on his shoulders is something that I think he enjoys. Yeah, and he showed that he could deal with that when they won the um, Olympics. Yes, exactly. And, and, and that was obviously a huge thing for, for, for Brazilians because it was the one piece of silverware missing. And, and I think that he's he's shown that he can almost take the expectations of a nation on his shoulders the issue this time for him is that he goes into the tournament not necessarily being fit. Yeah, that's um, it's a real worry that you, when you have a lengthy spell out and you do have that pressure as well. You know, we've we've seen it again with England players where the, you know they're almost crumbling their way through the tournaments, and you know they'll give the odd half an hour here and there. But you suspect Neymar would be different. I think he was probably coming into fitness just at the end of the season as well, so it's not as though he's going into the tournament with. With a broken foot, for instance, that he's just about able to walk on, like Suarez did last time, where he yeah, missed yeah. the first couple of group games and then came back for the for the crucial one, and all the pressure was on him. We we've mentioned Switzerland briefly there, and they qualified thanks to a one nil win over Northern Ireland in the playoffs over two legs, and it, it was quite a controversial decision that yeah. allowed them to go through. And and Switzerland are one of these teams who've caused upsets over the over the years. I remember them beating Spain a, a few years back one nil, and and Spain at the time looked. Uh, like they couldn't be beaten by anyone and they've got the odd player in there who when you look on a world stage could actually do something I just wonder whether in this group the likes of Costa Rica and Serbia might actually be the worst possible opponents for somebody like Switzerland because they've actually got a level of expectation this time around yeah I think you that they're kind of taken out of their comfort zone to a certain extent with that and if you look at the qualifying campaign, they, they hadn't lost the game until the last game where Portugal beat them and went through. So, that you know, they're happy to kind of coast through where possible. And, and as you say, they do have some good individuals. And um, we've, we've said it with Stoke all season with Shakiri, and he seems to be the one that everyone looks for. And it may well be a similar situation as, as Stoke. You know, they could be struggling to do anything. And he's the one that's going to have to come through and do something. And he's looking for a new club so you know he's in the perfect shop window to do it hopefully it it, it pays off yeah that's absolutely right and if if they can qualify second in the group the potential tie with germany could actually be the end of the world cup anyway so i think that they're almost damned either way switzerland yeah. if you if you get through then you almost have to win that group which seems very unlikely with brazil in there as well yeah, and and same with uh, Costa Rica and Serbia really, but but Costa Rica in particular, you know, they um, had had a great time in the last World Cup. You know, they lost only to pe- on penalties to Holland in the quarterfinals, and although you struggled to see the match in that, and and mainly for the reason you just said, when you get through and you play probably Germany, who could be all over it and and just on top of you from the word go, you, you're going to struggle. But I think you know they do have some strengths uh, defensively. Um, they have what was believed to be one of the best goalkeepers in the world. We'll talk about that in a bit more detail uh, later on. But Kaylor Navas has has played regular football for Real Madrid and, and been the, the linchpin for for them. So to have that sort of experience behind your, your back four or whatever it's going to be. And, 
yeah, you, you've you've got a chance, but I think their biggest problem is they don't have a huge amount going forward. No, and since Paolo Onechop was <laughs> was the the leading man for for Costa Rica, they have struggled. And Joel Campbell, who obviously hasn't had the the best of times in England, I think he is actually still an Arsenal player. I think he's just been out on loan for the last couple of seasons, and he just doesn't seem to be anyone who's really gonna light up a game you don't see him going and beating three or four players and then sticking one in the top corner you you, you need somebody that you can rely on in a world cup you need somebody that that's going to score goals throughout the qualifying period and you know who your, your central striker is going to be and i'm just not sure that they've got that i think that you look at serbia who are ranked a lot lower down than costa rica when it comes to the rankings and and actually they've probably got players in in the likes of tadic in the likes of um Savage, who have got a lot of experience at, at, at club level, which you would hope would see them in a good position when you've got a, a small group of four teams and, and, and you've got to make sure that you get over the line. And they've got a striker who can score goals. Mitrovic Indeed. has been in fantastic form for Fulham. Um, and again, you know, he's an absolute handful, but he's probably looking for that move as well. You know, he's still at Newcastle at the moment and they probably don't want him still despite the fact they had a really good season he could have a really good world cup and it may be that they cash in on him I'm not sure but you know he's very much the focal point of that team you know everything will go up to him and it, people will play off him yeah and you look at the central midfield area for Serbia as well you've got the likes of Nemanja Matic you've got I can't say his name Milivojevic Milivojevic um the penalty taker from Crystal yep. Palace who, who's really impressed this season and also when, whenever you sort of see him play he always looks so tidy the same way that Matic does they're really good on the ball they're, they're able to break play down and that will be huge when they come up against Brazil in that game because they're going to have players bombing on and, and if you can get people around the ball then, then you've got an opportunity they've got good wingers they've got pace going forward and I've got a feeling that Serbia could upset both Switzerland and Costa Rica and finish second in this group. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think there's definitely a chance for any of the sides to qualify. But, um, you know, again, wherever you go into uh, the next round, probably playing Germany, that's where you're going to struggle. Absolutely right. But to be honest with you, Serbia will be happy to be there. And if they can get through to the second round, then that shows real progress from where they've been over recent years. I think we've got to move on to Group F. And FIFA's number one ranked team in the world are Germany now they breezed through qualification they had a 100% record and, and they were top goal scorers and they also won the Confederation Cup at Canter with a squad that was basically their reserves I don't think they took many of the, 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 the squad who've actually gone to, to, to Russia and what that's meant is that the, the Germans who were at the time perceived to be going to the World Cup have actually had to look over the shoulder and I think as a result they've raised their game. Yeah, you know, they have a, a fantastic squad and quality from back to front. Um, a massive plus for them is Manuel Neuer's fit to take up his position in the sticks and um, the midfield as well is probably one of the best in the tournament and it, it must be a good squad when Leroy Sane can't get in there. Can you imagine if England didn't pick Leroy Sane? Can you imagine the outcry, outcry that would happen? And I think... When you look at the season that he's had for Manchester City, he can count himself so unlucky not to be going to that World Cup. I honestly wonder whether they've made a, a bit of an error there and, and, and whether it could come back to bite them. But then, like you say, you look at the 
the depth of quality in that squad, especially in in the midfield, and and you you think it's probably not going to matter. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I mean, looked at some of the journalists over in Germany. I think the consensus is that although they do have that quality, they don't have a huge difference from four years ago, despite the fact that all of these young players have come through over the last few years. Actually, the starting lineups fairly similar, and I think the worry is that other nations have have kind of latched onto that and they've gone and improved massively whereas Germany could just falter a little bit and I think the worry is that actually they'll have a, a decent run through but if they come up against someone in the let's say in the semi-finals that have got outstanding quality they could be struggling yeah and they've obviously got three teams in their group that they would expect to to win all three games the the first of those being Mexico and Mexico have got some good individuals decent defense but the issue that they've got is is squad depth and I think you look at players like Carlos Vela, you look at Javier Hernandez, players who've played well in the Premier League and um, then not really done a huge amount when they've moved on elsewhere. I know that Hernandez did okay when he went to Germany, but he wasn't that prolific when he was at Real Madrid. I think Carlos Vela, there was high hopes for him when he came through at Arsenal. He's gone to Spain and again, he's done okay, but never really made it on the world stage. Yeah, I think, the, again, difficult with this one, the last group. You know, whoever finishes second, assuming that Brazil and Germany top the groups, the runners-up get them. So, you know, for them to get through this, either them, Sweden or South Korea, again, it's just, is it frustrating that you, you make it through and then you just think, actually, we're, we're going to struggle to get through? What I don't, I don't know what the mindset would be. I think with any team, you're going to get drawn normally with, with a pretty good team in your group. And obviously, they've got one of the hardest in Germany. I think from a... a a mindset point of view they've just got to go out to qualify for the next round and just see what happens because we've seen it so many times in world cups before where you expect the the, the favorite in the group to go through and and you expect them to win the group and actually it doesn't happen or it might be that somebody else wins the group and they end, end up getting the harder game in the next round so all mexico will be concentrating on is trying to get through that group and if they're able to do that then i don't think they'll care who they play in the next round that they're, they're such a confident nation and they're somebody that you would expect regardless of who they're playing, to go out and give them a pretty good test. And we talked about a Scandinavian nation missing one of their heroes, Denmark with Bentner, Sweden without Zlatan Ibrahimovic at a tournament, which I don't think is necessarily a massive issue. No, I think that when you look at the fact that they've got out of a group which had both France and Holland in, yeah. they will be used to a level of quality and, and they will see the game against Germany as, as they did the games against France and Holland in the qualifying campaign. And the fact that they then beat Italy in the playoffs, it, it shows that they've got a really good mentality within that squad. And they know that they've not got the best quality at the World Cup. But what they've got is a really positive group of players who understand what it takes to beat teams who are better than them. Yeah. And, you know, you, you start off against South Korea as well. And that's potentially the morale boost and victory. If you've got three points before you, you second and third game, uh, that, that could be huge. And it may well just be a case of just getting that little bit of confidence and, and as I say the team spirit is massive there and that's something that could drag them through and I think obviously without Ibrahimovic there or, or someone who's head and shoulders above kind of everyone else in terms of ability you do come together a little bit more and I think the worry for Sweden is that some of their kind of standout players haven't had great seasons as well so that there may well just be that kind of lack of quality but what they losing that they may make up for in, in kind of passion absolutely right and and now a team that we probably don't know a huge amount in south korea they stumbled through qualifications to say the least and um off the pitch the manager was sacked and then they had a new regime come in and and they have produced some excitement because they do play with a lot of pace on the counter-attack 
the issue that they're going to have is their defence, and they do play a bit like a pub team. <laughs> you wonder whether Germany might break all sorts of records when these two play each other, and I think that it's the final game, so you would expect that Germany may well have already qualified yeah. by that point. But then you've got players who may come in with a point to prove, and, and you could see a bit of a cricket score. That's very true, and, and there's, there's definitely one standout for South Korea, and that's Son Heung-min who you know has been the star of the show for for Tottenham let alone uh, South Korea so you would expect that to be the case there as well and you know they they probably put quite a lot of weight on his shoulders his nickname's Sonaldo that's uh, absolutely <laughs> incredible it is glorious but you know the the pressure that must come with that as well is uh, is is something i wouldn't want to deal with that's for sure and i think you know anything that looks like a good showing from each game will be enough for them and Getting out of the group will be massive, and and I, I think it's going to be a struggle. But again, you, you never know. You just need that one result to go your way. If if they get through the group, I will pay you ten English pounds. I'll take that. I'm not going to pay you ten if they don't. No, that's fine. But on the uh, on the Sonaldo note, we've got to take that in, into the Premier League season next season. <laughs> we can't forget when it comes to the new season beginning. That needs to be in every single show that he plays. Absolutely. Well, that's all for those groups. We have got England's group after this break. Miss! Miss! <laughs> Miss! Pizza Hut Pan Pizzas! Unless I'm mistaken. Mmm. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Miss! Come on, Gareth. It only took me six years to get over it. Have some Pan Pizza. Welcome back to the third part of this week's Sweeper podcast, and it's time to go to Group G, where the World Cup winners will surely be found. Yes, Belgium do look fantastic and it's a golden generation for them. And uh, yeah, I mean, the producer side capable of beating anyone on, on paper, certainly. And uh, I think their biggest issue is when it comes down to it, they, uh, they've they kind of failed to deliver in the last two tournaments. Yeah, and you would have thought that if, if anything lets them down in this tournament, it will possibly be their mentality. You look at Roberto Martinez and he's not the manager that you would sort of ins- be, well, be inspired to play yeah. for, like run through brick walls for everything that you need to do to win a World Cup and defensively obviously they should be very solid you've got the likes of Jan Vertonghen you've got Toby Alderweireld in there as well who when they play together for Tottenham are probably the best central defensive yep. partnership and I think that they should avoid putting Vincent Company in there if, if I was Tottenham I'd go with, with players who are used to playing uh, sorry if I was Belgium I'd go with players who are used to playing with one another week in week out and in a group where pace is probably going to be key, I'm not sure that company is the the right man to lead that team. I would rather company played, personally. Um, but that's more from an England perspective. But I think you know, aside from the defence, they um, they have well could well have been the best player in the Premier League this year in Kevin De Bruyne, who will pull the strings. And then just in front of him, they've got Aiden Hazard and Dries Mertens, who um, can create anything from anywhere. And then in front of them got Romelu Lukaku who to be fair needs a good tournament he does indeed and I think that he's blown hot and cold for Manchester United this season as much as he's got the goals that have kept them second in the Premier League I don't think there's been a huge amount of pressure on him because nobody's really been pushing for for a start and I think now that Christian Benteke has not gone to the World Cup he's probably got that central striker's position all to himself again that may be the undoing of Lukaku the fact that he's not got anyone there to push him particularly um, I've got a feeling that, that Belgium will do okay. I, I don't necessarily think they're, they're as good as a lot of people say. And sometimes you get to a point where you've got so many great individuals that it detracts from the team ethos that you need to go far in a tournament. They've never done it with this group of players. And, and I, I still think that they've got the wrong man in charge to take that 
that country forward. Yeah, and I think you know, with the exception of of, of the England game, they haven't got a, a great set of opponents to really test themselves. You've for done it now. Yeah, well, yeah, um, and I think you know, if you look at the the route to the quarterfinals, say it's likely to be kind of Brazil or Germany, and you can't see that Belgian side coming up against either of those and and pulling off a result. That said. You, you don't know, do you? You know, maybe Martinez has got it all right and he's fooled us all this time. If it happens, then it'll all be down to Thierry Henry. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. That's, no, what that, I'm that's fair. And I think, you know, he, he does have a, that experience at the top level in these sorts of competitions as well. And perhaps, you know, he calls little secret meetings around the pool and things like that that, that do get them going. But I think they should be beaten the likes of Panama and Tunisia and Panama themselves. It's uh, a World Cup debut and they will be up for it. They'll be absolutely bang up for it and they've got experience of tournament football in the Gold Cup, which is absolutely nothing compared to this, but I think they've also got a mix of experience and youthful abundance and you know, if you come into a tournament like that with some youngsters there who've got a bit of pace about them, you never know, they could surprise people. They could be this year's Costa Rica, couldn't they? Yeah, I yeah. think that between them and Tunisia, it probably will be trying to avoid finish bo- finishing bottom of the the group. But when you look at the FIFA rankings, it's interesting to see that Tunisia are actually only ranked one place below England. And you look at them in a little bit more detail, and you would have thought that they will be competitive. They'll probably be pretty solid and difficult to break down. And they're a workmanlike team. They, they, they've got energy, but they've not got a huge amount of flair in that team. I think you, you look at somebody like Wabi Kasri, who... We saw from time to time be excellent for Sunderland, but 95% of the time he was absolutely dreadful. Yeah, and they're missing their top goal scorer from qualification as well. So that'll be a loss. And, and you know, I think there's a, a fairly unsettled team in there as well. So I think that might be the downfall. I think with, with Panama and Tunisia, the, the interesting thing will be if they can scrape anything from the first two games. They obviously play each other in the last game and um, without knowing what's going to happen between Belgium and England, it could be that one of those sides rules themselves out by losing and actually it gives Panama and Tunisia a real incentive to go and win that game. Yeah, and they could quite easily slip through the back door, couldn't they? Because we've seen it before, England have have struggled in World Cup groups. Yeah, surely we can't mess this one up though, can we? You never know. I think the one thing from an England point of view which would be really nice to see in this World Cup would be a thumping win in the group. We haven't seen it for so long. And if we were able to go out there against the likes of Panama or Tunisia and win a game 3-0, then I think the confidence goes through the roof. And, And I think that we've got a good enough team to be able to do that. We both watched the game last night and I think that there were a lot of very good individual performances. But I think the most pleasing aspect was the fact that they played like a team. Gareth Southgate made 10 changes from the game on on Saturday and those players who came in slotted into those positions really well. I thought that the movement up front was good. I thought that Vardy and Rashford linked well. And we've got a really good opportunity of going to a World Cup with very little pressure, very little expectation. And yes, you're right. The, the likelihood is if we get to the quarterfinals, we're going to be playing Brazil or Germany. We've played Germany recently and drew nil-nil. So we're able to put in good performances against these sides. The issue that we've always had has been confidence from the start in a World Cup. And we've almost faltered through groups previously. We've almost stumbled over the lines. And then when it gets to the first knockout game, we're just not ready. Psychologically, if we can get off to a really good start in this, then who knows where it could go. Yeah, I think you know the preparation has been fantastic. And as you say, even with the changes last night, the, the one thing that was key, and Gareth Southgate alluded to it as well, is the, the system. Everybody knows their role in that squad, um, whether they're in the first team or whether they're a reserve. And 
I think that's something we've probably not done enough of over the last, I don't know, 10 years, probably more than that. And one thing we don't necessarily have that we have had previously is one, two or three players have the weight of the expectation on their shoulders. I think it's much more spread out. I think, as you say, there is less pressure and less expectation that allows them to go out and play with that confidence that they absolutely need to go and do. And I think with the exception of, of probably Harry Kane, who has been fantastic over the last few years, I think everybody is at a very, very similar level. And yes, they've, they, you know, they may have had individual seasons like Sterling or Ali, for instance, but everyone there is, is all pulling in the same direction and hopefully will support Harry Kane in, in him being the focal point. But that said, last night, Rashford could have almost played his way into the team, for instance. Vardy's there as well. So even if Kane's not firing, there's goals there. Yeah, sure. and I think that's that's key. I think if, if we can build on the, the quality that we've got going forward, then defensively we, we should be okay. The formation that we're playing at the moment allows us to almost switch between a defensive and an attacking unit. And my only worry would be playing John Stones in the middle of the three. I, I think that he should be one of the ball playing centre-halves on, on either the right-hand side or the left-hand side. And maybe stick either Phil Jones or Gary Cahill in there because they're much better in the air. But Gareth Southgate is sticking with this system. He's very confident that it's going to work. And I think for the first time in a long time, as an England fan, it's going to be quite a refreshing approach to a World Cup. We've got a good young manager, got good young players, and who knows where we could go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we should be getting to the quarterfinals. Um, I don't think there's any excuses for us not to do that. And, and I actually think and I may regret saying this because once we get there I'll be really excited and think we're going to win the thing but the expectations will be off in the quarterfinals and actually if we went out to Brazil or Germany it wouldn't be seen as a failure you know we'd be seen to lose against possibly one of the finalists we would look at that as an experience that we can build on with realistically a squad or, or certainly a, you know three quarters of that squad that should be the nucleus of, of the Euro squad in two years time absolutely right and I think if you can keep that team together and go into the Euros with Gareth Southgate still in charge and we have a good World Cup then there's absolutely no reason why we can't go even deeper in a tournament like that because that would be more suited to the type of players that we've got a quick word on Southgate he's uh, his appointment was met with somewhat a negativity um, I think there was a worry that he didn't necessarily experience at that level and he didn't have too much charisma. Um, but I think he's proved over the last year and a half that he's been a fantastic choice. He's been in and around the England setup since the mid-90s, more or less. Um, and he has shown that he is the right manager for this group of players in particular. He gives them confidence and he... He speaks very well as well. He doesn't give too much away, which I quite like. He's fairly diplomatic in what he says. He's not overly controversial. Um, and he's, he's a very sensible approach that we haven't really had, for, with the exception of maybe Hodgson, but probably the last 20 years. I've got a little anecdote about Gareth Southgate, right. if, if I've got time. When I was 16, I worked at a theme park in North Yorkshire, and uh, one day I was working, I was on the games section and I used to work on this game where you used to get these little red rings and you had to try and toss them over the um, tops of you know like the big green bottles yeah, it was yeah. basically impossible I think I, I worked on that section for about a month and, and nobody did it and anyway Gareth Southgate was there that day and he was there with his with his wife and their two kids and he came over and I obviously realised who it was had a little chat with him gave him the money fully expecting him not to have a chance first ring he got it yeah. got, got this massive teddy bear and uh 
he was he was that much of a nice guy. He gave me the rest of them back. He didn't even bother going for any more. What an absolute hero. What a legend. Anyway, let's move on to Group H, where we've got Poland, Senegal, Colombia and Japan. Yes. And this is uh, going to find our opponents in the second round all being well. And uh, you would expect Poland to, to be at the top of this group, I would have thought. Um, but I think it will be a competitive group. But Poland themselves, I think there's a, a natural emphasis on, on Robert Lewandowski, who finished top scorer across the European qualification. But I think there is more to them, and, and they do have strength all over the place. And I think the only issue they've got is that some of their top players didn't have great seasons for their clubs. So, you know, we only have to look at Krakowiak from West Brom, who was by all means a flop. Uh, you know, he didn't have a great time at all, and um, they have to get everyone firing. And, and although that responsibility will rest on Lewandowski's shoulders, actually they could come in and, and you know take the burden off him. Yeah, absolutely right. And and you would have thought that if they are able to get through against, um, well, you would expect them to play either England or Belgium, then they would fancy both of those yeah. sides, and and that will be the motivation for that Poland side because the other three teams within the group. You look at Senegal, you look at Colombia, who are probably the other favourites to go through from the group, and then Japan. You've got a chance of beating all of those teams, and and not many countries will go to the World Cup thinking that when when, when they're in their group, other than the the likes of Germany, the likes of Brazil. But I don't think that it's fair to compare Poland to them. No, there's there's a lot of confidence in Poland around the squad, and um, I think you know you look at some of the things that are being said they're going into this with uh, as i say with the confidence that they can do something and i think they will be looking at that next next game after the groups to to upset one of the bigger nations and uh, i personally if, if it's england will be worried about it i totally agree like poland there's huge weight on one man's shoulders from senegal sadio mane however they do have a pretty strong core in the middle of the park with with europa league experience they've got yeah, Adrisa yeah. gay they've got uh Kiate, they've got Bado and die. They've got people who've played in the Premier League, who've played in the Europa League, and the issue that Senegal have got is that they've got all of this attacking talent, but defensively, uh, d- defensively, they could be really struggling. Yeah, you know, they they will uh, approach it with a very much workmanlike attitude, and they'll be very strong and powerful, and they they will look to get the ball to to the likes of Mane, who will frighten teams with his pace again you know looking from from our perspective i wouldn't want our players to come up against Mane. they play against him week in week out but he, he's shown over the years that he's a handful and you know some of the african teams over the years do cause bits bit of an upset you know there is kind of one from each tournament and perhaps it is senegal's year again like they did do back in 2002 uh who knows it, it it's going to be an interesting one to see them absolutely right and then colombia who they've they've kept together a relatively good core of that squad that they had at the last World Cup and obviously Hamas Rodriguez made an, a real name for himself got a big move didn't really work out for him at Real Madrid and obviously he's trying to rebuild his career at Bayern Munich at the moment and they didn't have Falco back then because he missed it through injury and he will obviously be looking to make an impact somebody who's done really well at Monaco obviously struggled when he came over to England but is able to score goals at at an international level they've also improved at the back they've got people like Davinson Sanchez who's obviously come through at Spurs and has looked really good and and you would expect Colombia to progress from this group they may not offer a huge amount against the bigger teams but I again I would be concerned if England came up against them they are my dark horses for the tournament I think that they're that they've got enough about them to scare teams they've got decent defensive players but going forward they're 
they've got a lot more than a lot of teams who are going to that tournament and I don't think that they show any fear when they go into into any sort of match. Yeah, I think that's right and you know they will have a, a good time in the group you suspect and coming up against a, a, a Japanese team who uh, have had a bit of a nightmare themselves and they sat the manager just a few months ago and it's, it's a turbulent time for the, the nation otherwise known as the Samurai Blue. But they've got my Yoshida. Yeah, they're going to struggle. I'm I'm not even gonna gonna comment on that because I I think that you look at the likes of Yoshida and and there are a couple of Japanese players who are playing their trade in Europe but I think the issue with with Japan is the the A League over there is not anywhere near up to the standard of the majority of European leagues and that's where a huge amount of players at the World Cup will come from I think you look at the nucleus of that Japan squad and and a lot of them will come from their that their home nation league and and that's where they could come unstuck because the level of quality between the two is 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 vast and it's it's getting bigger all the time yeah not you know although unlikely i'd say progress out the group will be seen as a success and uh, like some of the other nations we've said just a a win in there or, or just some decent performances will be enough to get the fans excited but that's everyone that's a lot. 32 nations that we've just talked about. 32 nations in no more than an hour. I think that we've done pretty well to squeeze them in. We've got one more part to go. And after this break, we're going to run down our favourite and not so favourite World Cup kits, our predictions, and also the first World Cup quiz. <laughs> Welcome back to the final part of this week's Sweeper podcast and it's almost time for the first quiz of this year's World Cup but before then we're going to talk kits. Now World Cup kits are, are always a pretty huge part of the tournament and everybody watching it gives people the opportunity to see countries that they might not see for another four years or possibly even longer and there's been some horrendous kits over the years. I'm talking about Cameroon's sleeveless number <laughs> at World Cup 2002 there's also been some absolute beauties basically any Croatia home shirt from any international tournament yep. ever we thought we'd run down our top three and our bottom three for this year's tournament and for those of you who haven't had a chance to look at these we will put some photos out on our social media accounts over the next day or two but let's kick us off at third bottom so our third least favourite kit it's going to the hosts it's going to Russia it is it's a shocker it's, uh, it's like a rationed kit that you'd find in a a lost property at school or something like that. It's proper old school and rubbish. And uh, for a World Cup, for a, a country who is hosting, they could have done so much better. It looks like one of those Adidas stock kits that you get if you play in Sunday League or yeah. five-a-side. And, um, yeah, they could have done something interesting, like putting a bear across the front or maybe like a, a portrait of Putin's face <laughs> on the back. It's very, very boring. In second place on the worst kits it's our Australian brothers. Yeah, not not so boring really, um, but equally shit. It's um, a, a Nike effort and looks like it belongs on a rugby player or something. And um, yeah, it's like a whole city esque green tiger scratches across the shoulders. I think that. I'd yeah, the shoulders and the sleeves, but yeah. it's just completely missed the football brief. It's a poor effort from the Socceroos, which we think will fare about as well as their chances of making it out of the group. But now, the final and worst kit at the World Cup, in our opinion, 
it's quite a controversial choice yeah. because a lot of people think that this is one of the nicest World Cup kits ever, but we do not like Nigeria's. Yeah, it's a, a bit Marmite, isn't it? It's a love or hate, and I, we are very much in the hate camp. We saw it against England last weekend, and but yeah, people raving about it. I just don't get it at all. It almost looks all right from a distance, but the closer you get, the worse it gets, and it looks like I just let a child play around with the design of it, and I've got a feeling that within maybe five even less years we will have completely forgotten all about it yeah i hope so um i, I think jj okocha would be uh would be absolutely livid he would he would indeed as would Taribo rest because there's no way that you are matching those patterns <laughs> with beads in anyone's hair but let's move on to the positives the top three for us third it's a classy effort from denmark and any kit made by Hummel is an absolute winner in our eyes. The sleeves have got inverted chevrons, the Denmark badge is a beauty, and it's a shirt fit for the likes of Christian Eriksen. Think Euro 92, and you're not a million miles away. Yeah, we do like a Hummel kit. I think our two favourite Villa and Southampton kits are Hummel as well, aren't they? They are indeed, yeah. Both from, I think, the same year in the 80s. Yeah. Number two, it's unsurprising that this, this team have made the final of uh, what they would normally do. Yeah, the Germans, very... Very cool, aren't they? It's a, a retro-looking number from Adidas, and uh, yeah, it wouldn't look out of place in the World Cup uh, kit hall of fame. Absolutely right. The World Cup winners holders badge yeah. in the centre. The, the the gold badge is an absolute beauty, and uh, the centre of the shirt is pretty flash, but it's in keeping with a team who could quite easily go all the way. And they've obviously got the four black stars above the badge as well. Makes me feel sick. Which represents the four World Cup wins that they've had. And who would argue with them adding to that at the end of this year's tournament? But the winner, Mitch, come on, put everyone out of their misery. Who have we gone for? It's a classic. It's Peru. And uh, yeah, just the the sash down there, it's traditional. but it, And it's just, yeah, it just delivers, doesn't it, every time? It does indeed. And their international badge as well, they've got... Three letters, white on red, red on white, and they've got black numbers beneath the yeah, umbro badge, solid. which is a real winner for me. You're right about the sash, it's beautiful, and uh, they've got a bit of gold trim on the sleeves as well, which finishes it off perfectly. 10 out of 10 from the Peruvians, Paddington would be very, very proud. He would indeed. But let's move on from fashionable corner to the quiz. And we're going to do things a little bit differently with it being a World Cup year. We are going to split the groups in half. I'm going to take the first four. Mitch is going to take the second four. So this week, Mitch, your questions come from Group A, which is a group containing the likes of Russia, Saudi Arabia, Egypt and Uruguay. And I think I've got Group E. Is that right? Yeah, so you've got Brazil, Switzerland, Costa Rica and Serbia. And... Uh... Yeah, um, I've had a bit of a shocker getting that group A, haven't I, really? Yes, you have. But great. it will even itself out as we go through the weeks of the World Cup. So we're going to toss... We haven't got a coin, have we? We're going to toss, no, a, phone toss again. a phone again. I'll go uh, for the front of the Samsung work phone this week. It is the front yeah, of the Samsung work phone. So I will go first, please. Okay, so I want to know... It's an easy one to get you started, I think. I like easy ones. Who Brazil's most capped player is? I will go for... There's only one person I can really think of. Cafu? Correct! <laughs> Good stuff. Right, your first question. I think this is a relatively easy one as well. So Uruguay have won the World Cup twice. I want to know either of the years in which they won it for a point. 19... 30 
1930. I'm just trying to get my years right. 1938. What's the verdict? Ah, oh, no. You stopped on 1930 for a long time, and I knew that you were going to put another year at the end of it, but the answer was 1930 or 1950. <sighs> they were the two years in which Uruguay won it. Bloody hell. So that's 1-0 to me to start the World Cup. Okay. What is my second question? I'd say it's uh, another another easy one, really, but uh, I just want to know who the current Swiss captain is. Oh, I don't think that is an easy one. No? No. Um, I'm thinking of... Uh, Okay, it's one of two, and they now both play for the same club. And it might not be either of those two, but I think it's either Granit Xhaka or Licksteiner. And I'm going to go for Licksteiner. Yes, 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 yes! <laughs> Bang on, you Two bastard. out of two. Right, your second question. This is a difficult one. Yeah. Your hard ones are, uh, are earlier on. So which player... In the Uruguay World Cup squad for 2018, is their record caps holder of all time? Diego Godin. <sighs> I'm afraid it's not. It is Porto's Maxi Pereira with 125. Like I say, your two questions to start with were the hard ones, so your next one I reckon you'll be all right with. What is my third question? Since 1938, what are Costa Rica the only team from the CONCACAF group of teams to do? Since 1938, what are they the only team to do? I think they qualified without conceding a goal. Qualified without conceding a goal? Ah, no. Incorrect. What was the answer? They are, other than Cuba in 1938, um, ridiculously, uh, they're the only one of the Central American and Caribbean squads ever to advance to the quarterfinals of the FIFA World Cup. Ah, right, okay. It's a, uh, it's a good question. Your third question is on Egypt. Okay. And I want to know, what is Egypt's best World Cup finish? Oh, God. Um... I thought you were just going to ask for the nickname or something. No. Um, is that the Pharaohs? It is the Pharaohs indeed. Um, I will go, I'll just go quarterfinals. I don't know for a fact, so I'll go with quarterfinals. <sighs> Incorrect, I'm afraid. They've never got out of the group. They've only qualified for two World Cups. 1934 and 1990 so anything better than that will be a serious achievement still 2-0 to me with two questions left each yeah who scored the only goal for brazil when they were demolished 7-1 against germany it's their last world cup goal who was it i can remember um whoever scored it did he didn't he like run into the net and pick the ball up as if like i can't remember a comeback might be on the cards um too embarrassed to watch fred Ah, no, it was Oscar. Oh, of course it was. Yeah, Oscar. And your fourth question is: If you don't get this one, I'd be very, oh, very surprised. Don't say that. Saudi Arabia's biggest World Cup <laughs> defeat came at the hands of Germany in 2002. I want you to tell me the score. Oh shit! Uh, is this when Miroslav Klose scored five? Was it? I think? He scored a hat trick. Was it? Oh, was it only yeah. a hat trick? 
Um, I'm gonna go with eight nil. Yes. 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 That's correct. I'm pleased that you got that right. If you didn't, I think we God. may have had to end the quiz there. Yeah. So currently two one with one question left each. Yes. Your final question. How many of the current Serbia squad play in the Premier League? Oh, that's difficult. That's uh, very, very difficult. And I want all of them. I want well, I want the number. Yeah, well that's, that's yeah, yeah. I want the number. I thought, I thought you wanted me to name them all then. You've realistically got to work out who's um, in there, though, haven't you? So you've got Tadic, you've got um Matic, you've got Milavojevic, you've got um uh oh, I presume that as Newcastle are in the Premier League, then Mitrovic would count. I will count Mitrovic, yeah. Um, and there's probably somebody else, so I'm going to go five. You, you, you bloody... Oh, you fucker. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Should have made your name in. Who's the other one? Marco Grujic from Liverpool. I would never have got that in a month of Sundays. So, that's 3-1 with one question left for Mitch. I want to know who Russia's captain is at this year's World Cup. Uh, Akinfeev. The by, by default. Yes. That is correct. Yeah. So that is 3-2. Yeah. That's the end of week one. So as it stands, I'm progressing from the group and you are currently second. Still plenty of time to go, isn't there? There is indeed. Before we crown our inaugural the Sweeper Podcast World Cup Quiz Champion. And it's almost time to go. Before we do that, we're going to give, give you our predictions and then Mitch will let you know how you can get in contact with us. So, prediction-wise, we've got five categories. We've got winner, player of the tournament, golden boot, final, and dark horses. I've already given away my dark horses in Colombia. So, I would like Mitch to tell everybody who yours is please yeah I've gone with uh, Uruguay I think they've got quite a favourable side of the group and I think I had them down to beat Portugal in the quarters and get through to the semis Um, so yeah I I, I fancy them I think just luck might be on their side a little bit and we may as well go straight for the winners should we go straight to the top so um, I've gone for Germany I've gone Brazil Um, quite controversially for myself I think I've I'm not sure where that's come from, but having plotted it all out, yeah, I fancy them. Um, final, who have you gone for? Uh, Spain, Brazil. I've gone for Germany, Brazil, so I agree. I think Brazil will get far in the tournament, but I just think that the Germans might have enough. Let's go to the golden boot. Yeah, I think naturally sticking on a theme, uh, I've gone with Neymar. I've also gone with Neymar on the basis that Brazil are going to get to the final and Germany don't necessarily have a recognised striker that they're going to have. So, uh, yeah, Neymar for me as well. So finally, it's just player of the tournament. Yeah, um, Neymar again. I think if he's if he wins the Golden Boot, um, then you know he's going to be in with a decent shout. And going back to my previous point, which I said about Germany, they don't necessarily have a striker. Therefore, I think Tony Cruz will win player of the tournament because he is absolutely crucial to their chances of doing well. So they're my five predictions. We've got yours as well. Yeah. And in the coming weeks, we will either rely on them heavily as we go deep into the tournament or completely forget them and never mention them again yes absolutely and it'd be great to hear your predictions as well and uh, any feedback from the 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 previews that we've done for all the teams today um get in touch on twitter at the sweep pod instagram and facebook sweep podcast email us at the sweep podcast at gmail.com and whilst we're on the admin 
review, rate, and subscribe on iTunes. Get involved, have a listen on SoundCloud if you're not on uh, Apple devices. And uh, yeah, just get involved, join us for the World Cup. Absolutely right. There are a couple of people who've been in touch with us over the last week and said that they really wanted to do a review, but they haven't got um, an Apple device. Very simple, get yourself on on the iTunes website and you can leave a review there. I would like to say thank you for everyone for sticking with us through this first World Cup show because it's been a long one, yep. but we've got four weeks of football ahead of us, so it was never going to be a very short one. No, and we're uh, I think we're probably going to be quite ad hoc as to when we're going to be uh, doing the next episode, but one thing we can tell you for sure is that the World Cup will have kicked off and we'll be underway. Absolutely right. Enjoy the next week. It's very exciting. And with us, look forward to Russia versus Saudi Arabia at the home of football in Moscow on Thursday night. Until then, see you later. Good day.